As you take your Bibles, I hope you will have an opportunity for me to just express gratitude. As you open your scriptures to Psalm chapter 90, I am humbled first to kind of be before you this morning. This is a great privilege. I can't tell you how much I love you. I love my Emmanuel family. You're close to my heart. And also, I guess a part of me wants to say thank you for your very generous gifts, your Christmas cards, your words of encouragement. That's very kind. This morning, as we approach the end of 2019, Man, where is the year gone, right? 2019, here we are on a, preparing to start a whole new decade, 2020. As I was thinking back of this, this year of 2019 and reflecting on some of the highlights of the year, <laughs> I came across an article in the New York, actually it's Los Angeles Times, I'm sorry, and they kind of highlighted some of the, the highlights of 2019. Perhaps you'll remember some of these. The first one being the, the, in April, the first photograph we had of the black hole, right? We never, we, we, we never, now we had a photograph of the black hole. And then the, the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral. The two women, two first-time women astronauts, Christina Koch and Jessica Mir in space alone. And July being the hottest, the hottest summer on the books. Uh, and then it was Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas that devastated the island. And then the article concluded with the mass shootings. At a great festival in California, at a Walmart in Texas, and historic district in Ohio. I'll quote the article. It says, Little wonder we found ourselves listening and re-listening to those voices who had fallen silent. Their words spoken and written years ago reminded us that 2019 was not unique that in need for solace, wisdom, and hope reaches across time. If there's a four-letter word that I think we need today more than any other day is this word hope. Now, I'm not describing this wishful thinking, this idea, I hope something good will happen, I want to challenge us today as we prepare to march into 2020 with this confident expectation that God is on the throne. The tendency is for us to look at our circumstances and we see all the chaos and all the, the problems in the world and we begin to think, man, is God on the throne? Well, today I hope your scriptures are open to Psalm chapter 90. This is one of the oldest psalms. 
The author is, is Moses, and he is an individual that we're familiar with. Moses is one of those individuals who we consider to be the friend of God. In fact, over in Exodus 33, it's a period of time when he gets a face-to-face with the Almighty. In fact, after that exchange, for weeks, people are looking at him and seeing the afterglow of his presence of seeing God face-to-face. Wow. But it was Moses who you know, spent those first 40 years as a prince. And then the next 40 years he spent as a shepherd. And then he got the call at 80 years old to lead God's chosen people to a promised land. So for the next 40 years he was going to invest himself in leading these people to the promised land God had promised them. Scholars tell us that this likely was written, the best we know, we don't know for sure, but likely towards the latter two years of his life. So this has been 38 years. They've marched through the desert. This first generation is dying off the scene. In fact, some of the numbers I've been looking at, over 600,000 probably, maybe more, and just taking that number over a 40-year period, that's thousands of funerals that would happen every day as a constant reminder of disobedience. So in the middle of all that, Moses, he writes this prayer. He sees the suffering, the dark times, and Moses wants us to understand there is hope. There is hope today for each person in this sanctuary. There is hope. There is hope. In fact, as we look at the Scriptures before us this day, I just challenge us, as Moses is going to show us basically four, actually five ways to hold to hope in challenging times. This prayer begins in Psalm 90, Verse 1, Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, return, all children of men. I'll stop right there because Moses gives us this first element of hope. He says, listen, we must allow God to be our dwelling place. Now, we in our Western culture think of a dwelling place. We think of mortar and brick and concrete. But remember, this was written to the children of Israel. They they were nomads. They were traveling from destination to destination. They didn't have mortar and concrete and brick. They were always on the move. So this type of relationship, this type of dwelling place was a relationship. Moses is trying to get us to see, for us to have real hope, we've got to have a real personal relationship with God. A real 
personal relationship. Why is that? Why is it can we have this relationship with God? Well, he tells us there in verse 2, he defines that God is the creator. He is sovereign. So that is why you are God. That is, that is why He can be our dwelling place, our place of relationship. But also I want you to see in the very next verse, He tells us when. Probably the most difficult time for us to allow God to be our dwelling place is what we see there in verse 3. Look at it with me. In verse 3, he says, You turn man back into dust and say, Return, O children of men. The thought there is actually, you know, of our death, of going back to the grave, of us dying. And Yeah, that, that could be one thought, but if you look at the, the word dust, it actually has the Hebrew meaning daka, which actually carries with it the meaning of being crushed, of being broken. I don't know about you, but some of the most difficult times for me to allow God to be my dwelling place is those times when God crushes. Now, He may crush us physically. He may crush us spiritually. But that's what Moses was trying to amplify. But even in those dark times, in fact, if you just go further down in this prayer, in verse 15, he says, Make us glad according to the days that you have afflicted us, and the years have seen evil. Wow. That's a different concept, isn't it? But you know, over in, I believe it's Hebrews, in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews, when we're being crushed, it's important for us to remember, as the writer of Hebrews says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, He what? He disciplines. And He scourges every son whom He receives. He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward yields peaceful fruit of righteousness." That may be where you find yourself at the end of 2019. You sense and you feel God is crushing you. May I give you hope in the words that Moses begins with that He must be our dwelling place. The very next truth for hope it's important for us to remember God's relationship to time is not like ours. In fact, look at verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You have swept them away like a flood and they fall asleep. 
In the morning they are like grass which sprouts new, and in the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew, and towards evening it fades away. Remember God's relationship to time is different. You know, if I could ask some of you today, are you waiting for an answer from God? Most of us, many of us would say, yeah, I'm waiting. I've been waiting for a long time, it seems. You know, it's interesting to me because it even says in verse 4, it says, a thousand years are like yesterday to God. Now for us, Think about a thousand years. What happens in a thousand years? Empires rise and fall. Philosophies come and go. And the tendency for us is to put God on our time clock. Yeah. As he says here, time with God is different. Interestingly, he also there, Moses highlights in verse 5, you have swept them away as a flood. I don't know about you if you camp or not, but there are places when you camp, particularly in the mountains, we like to get close to the river and hear that rushing river pass us by. But often they will caution about where you place your camp. Because at some point during that night, a sudden rainstorm can come through and the torrents can, can cause that river to rise and everything that is in its path will be gone. And those are the words that Moses is saying related to fame and legacy when he's talking about God's time. We live... And that the reality is, is it goes as quickly as it's come. You know, we're in the middle of bowl season right now. I'm glad to see Clemson is in the finals. Clemson and LSU should be a great... But you know what? The interesting thing about legacies and fame... As Moses tells us, it's gone. Who won the Super Bowl in 1967? Who, who scored that great winning touchdown? Who's the fourth president of the United States? What's his legacy? How about your great, great, great grandfather? What's his legacy? So having us understand to remember for hope's purposes is that God's relationship to time is different. And in fact, he goes on, we got to remember to allow God to be our dwelling place. Remember God's relationship to time is so different. We just celebrated Christmas and so many of us, if we had been God, we'd have brought Christ a lot sooner, right? But God had a timeline. 
God's timeline. But third, for us to have hope, his prayer goes on and he reminds us, beware of the consequences of disobedience. In fact, he picks it up there in verse 7. He says, For you, we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our sins in the light of your presence. All our days have declined in fury, and we finish our years like a sigh. The literal meaning there is a whisper. And then for the days of our life, they contain 70 years of due to strength, 80. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Wow. We're, we're, we don't exactly know what the context is here, why God is angry. But if we, if we think about what the scholars are telling us, this is toward the... The 38th, somewhere in that 38th year that they've been wandering around in the wilderness. So there's a history here. Was it the plagues in Egypt? Was it the 3,000 that died with the golden calf? Was it Nadab and Abihu who offered unholy incense before God? Or maybe the thousands that died in a plague when they begin murmuring. It's interesting to me that this second generation watched their parents' generation die one by one because of the curse for their disobedience. Yesterday I had the privilege of doing the funeral service for Miss Juanita Chips. And two of her great-grandchildren get up there. And I'm thinking, man, what an accolade to be at the end of your life and your two great-grandchildren get up there on the stage and they tell you how much they love their great-grandmother. And they loved, they loved not, um, oh, just loved being in her presence. And they always just hated to say goodbye to her. In fact, that one of the, grand, the great-grandsons said, you know, we'd be sitting with, with Juanita, and she'd say, you know, y'all can go ahead and go on now. And no, my, Grandma, we, we want to be with you. We want to spend time with you. You can go ahead. No. Hmm. And then we see how this generation watched their parents die. I challenge us to beware. Be aware of the consequences of disobedience. Our kids, our neighbors, our friends are looking for truth. They're looking for truth. Oh, that we would be obedient. Allow God to be our dwelling place. Remember God's relationship to time. Be aware of the consequences of disobedience. So Mark, this is kind of this is kind of low. So what are we supposed to do? All this is kind of happening. What do we do? Great news. Moses doesn't just stop it right there and say you're all condemned, it's all over. Moses shows us how to have hope. In verse 12, he says, "So teach us 
to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. There's this clarion call, God, we need your wisdom. Whatever time we have left, we need your wisdom. Number our days. Number our days. You know, it's not about just, okay, I'll pull out the calendar. By the way, there's a class that I teach with first responders on this idea of the brevity of life and the importance of not serving leftovers to the most significant people. And towards the end of that presentation, I'll pop up on the screen a website called deathclock.com. You put a little information in there and it gives you your death date. So I pop it up there and let them see my death date, according to the death clock, is June 23rd, 2038. And as you are looking at the website, the clock is counting down. The seconds are counting down. But that's not the type of numbering Moses is challenging us with. In fact, over in the New Testament in Ephesians 5 and verse 15 through 17, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Oh, give us wisdom. What does that tell us? One of the things we do know is the brevity of life. Now, as foolish as the deathclock.com is, it does cause you for a moment to think about seconds are going by. Seconds are going by. And I don't know when my death will be. None of us do. It's actually what that is using is what the insurance companies use to determine how long they're going to make you pay a life insurance payment so they can make sure they get enough money out of you so when you die, when they have to make a big payment, they can pay you back and they got a little bit of money of their own, right? So what does it mean, though, to number our days? Oh, for us to have hope today, we've got to be numbering our days. Well, there is an incorrect way and we see that in our society today. Many in society today, when they maybe even see a deathclock.com and they just kind of run away from that truth and exchange it for distractions. Maybe it's the music, social media, anything to distract us from numbering our days. The reality is, the correct way, as Moses is challenging us to number our days, it all begins with fearing God. If we're going to have wisdom, we've got to begin with fearing God and understanding and respecting Him as our Creator. Because as we do that, we begin to acknowledge some things. We acknowledge, one, you know what? I'm not as perfect as I sometimes might think I am. Fearing God, understanding, respecting Him as the Creator. 
Number our days. Teach us to number our days. And then Moses concludes the prayer. This prayer of hope. He then says, listen. I challenge you to celebrate the goodness of God. You know, we're going to, to allow God to be our dwelling place even when it seems that we're getting crushed. Remember, God's our dwelling place. God's relationship to time be aware of the consequences of disobedience. Teach us to number our days and then celebrate the goodness of God. Verse 13, do return, O Lord. How long will it be? Be sorry for your servants. Have compassion is what Moses is pleading for. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy. I hope you sing for joy today. And make us glad according to the days you've afflicted us and the years that we've seen evil. Hmm. Celebrate. Celebrate. What is it that we can celebrate? He, he says it there that the loving kindness, the compassion of God. In fact, over in Lamentations chapter 3, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, perhaps you've read it before. Lamentations 3, the prophet Jeremiah reads and writes this. He says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Celebrate. Celebrate the goodness of God. His loving kindness, His compassions. Wow. Today, honestly, I, I, I don't know where you're at on the continuum. 2019 for you may be a great year. In fact, I ask, I've been in conversation with several people even this past week, and I asked them, how has 2019 been for you? And the first thing they say is usually the negative things. And I have to remind them, wait a minute. Didn't this happen? And, and didn't this happen? And didn't this happen? And they're like, well, well, yeah, that did happen. That, that, that did happen. So in all honesty, the truth of the matter is, for most of us, every typical year has good and bad. And from the negative side, we must remember, we do live in a fallen world. And we do have to deal with the consequences of our own sin and the sin of others and the curse of sin, which brings sickness and disease and natural disasters. And you know, the danger there is if you linger there too long, you become very pessimistic. Depression comes on the horizon for you and me. But there is a positive side. 
First, God uses even the bad things to mature us. I had a colleague ask me, share with me. In fact, I think I was, there's a message I was listening to that he was preaching. And though we don't like the bad things, it's those often difficult times, it's those times that do mature us. And if it hadn't been for that difficult time, our faith perhaps would not be where it is today. In fact, James 1 and Romans 5 remind us that we can rejoice in these trials of life. But also, as with Moses, we can reflect on the character of God. Wherever you find yourself on the continuum, on the good or on the bad... Romans 8 reminds us nothing, 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 nothing separates us from God. God, God is here. And in fact, Christ, God's Son, did not even spare His own life to provide for us. And He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or imagine. Moses' Psalm of Hope. Take a look back at 2019. Take a look at your own sin, your own errors, mistakes, whatever they were. Repent. That's the great joy. Because you know what? When we repent, 1 John 1, 9 tells us that we can rejoice that He has forgiven us. We can repent. We can rejoice. And lastly, we can reflect on the blessings of God. O double B shared with him, I don't see anybody in here emaciated and wondering where and where our next meal is going to come from. God has blessed us. The many times I will come to church and see that table laden with food, how blessed we are. How blessed we are. As we conclude today's message, I'm going to ask us to pull out your bulletin and we'll have a responsive reading as Harold comes and plays for us, you'll see there's a place for you to respond. As we look at standing here on the cusp of 2020, you know, as a church... Some of you have been here when you have seen pastors come and go. So for, for you today, 2019, for a church, it's been hard. I get it. Moses reminds us, listen, this is not the end. 
There's an expectant, confident faith we have in a God. He's not shaking off his throne, wondering, oh no, what are we going to do now? God is firmly in place. Personally for you, for some of you, I know personally for some of you, physically, you're going through a hard time. Hope. Confident expectation in God. Not wishful thinking. So would you take your responsive reading card and read along with me. The congregations in bold. You have been our home through all generations. We are always at home with you. You are always there for us. All praise be to you, O oh God. You see all time in a single moment. Years are like seconds to you. Your wisdom and majesty exceed anything we can imagine. You make your presence known to us, even and especially in times of trial. When our years are filled with pain, they are also filled with your love. You help us be wise. You teach us through your word. You instruct and guide us with your spirit. Oh, your unfailing love is there for us each morning. How we sing for joy because of your goodness to us. You have been with us this past year. You will be with us always. Holy Father, as we reflect on the truths, the hope that Moses as he watched and buried perhaps many friends in those 40 years. And yet he remembered, God, you are still on the throne. God, may we celebrate your goodness. May 2020 for this church be a year that is like none other. God, that search team, minister to them as they sift through the resumes and the questionnaires, grant them discernment and wisdom to find the one that needs to be at Emmanuel. Dear Father, for that person today that is really kind of wondering what in the world 2020 will be like. 2019 was hard enough. Oh God, minister to that soul today. Bring your presence close to them. May they know your loving kindness, your compassion, your concern. All praise be to you.
Oh God, all praise.